Hello, my friends. This is Rick Thomas. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. This is episode 339. In this podcast, I want to answer a couple of questions that have come into our ministry. We get questions regularly. We get questions all over the place, and sometimes I pull some of them out and deal with them in a podcast format. Most of our questions are dealt with on our forums. That's what they are there for. If you have a question for us, then that's the thing that you really want to do, and that way you will be, I would say, 100% assured that you will not fall through the cracks. Our forums are active. They are being monitored all the time, and you won't fall through the cracks. We will watch out for you, and we'll be glad to answer whatever questions that you have. If you come to us through our so, any of our social media platforms, that may be more of a challenge, and I cannot promise you that we will see it because we have so many. Uh, well, we have quite a few social media platforms, and we have thousands of people on them. On LinkedIn, for example, we have almost 9,000 people out there just on LinkedIn, and we have multiplied thousands on Facebook. We also operate Twitter and Instagram and, and TikTok and MeWe and so forth, and so and we have other platforms. And I say that because I, I don't want you to think that we don't care. We do care, uh, but uh, we don't have the resources. We are a ministry, and we are a small team, and there's only so much that we can do. And so I just appeal to you, encourage you, we want to answer your questions. Your questions are important to us. And if they are that important to you, then what I need for you to do is to go to our forums and you can ask them. We have two kinds of forums. One is our free forums that's open to anyone in the world. It doesn't cost you a dime. All you have to do is get a username and a password. And we create that hurdle because we well, we're in we're an internet ministry, and because of that, we get a lot of spam. And uh, people people do what they do. People will be people, and so we create that filter, and that keeps our environment safe and secure. And so you get your username and password, and you can jump on our free forums. And we would love to engage you with any question pertaining to life and godliness. We also have a private forum. Of course, that's for our financial partners, those who support our ministry on a monthly basis or an annual basis. Uh, They can go to our private forum. It is a much smaller community, of course, but we wanted them to have that space just as one of the ways that we can honor them because of their commitment uh, to us. It is a partnership uh, for sure. Uh, We can't do what we do without them, and so it's just one way that we can say thank you for the people who support. Support begins at $5 a month, $50 a year, and then anything above that, and you can be part of our private community. But either one of those forums are fine, and I would just encourage you to ask questions there. The two questions that I'm going to deal with today in this episode, one of them is, is what is the difference between biblical counseling and Christian counseling, and then another one, I was asked for an update on the IABC, the International Association of Biblical Counselors. It's a counseling organization, an update on where they are since they disciplined one of their board members. Uh, He was disciplined out of the church, out of the church that he pastored. The board imploded. 
they started a new board a couple of years ago and someone was asking for an update so I want to give you a brief update on that so let me start with the first question what is the difference between Christian counseling and biblical counseling I find this an interesting the question's fine I understand the question I I get it I I find the dichotomy interesting I'm not talking about the question asker but the fact that we have a dichotomy between Christian counseling and biblical counseling it's unnecessary uh, it's dumb in my view I, I just think it's a dumb thing uh, that we do that biblical counselors do the, do to themselves but what what is going on here is that biblical counselors uh, the traditional biblical counseling movement is in, in many ways it's an aggravated frustrated movement that still lives in, in some segments of it in attack mode where they just they just attack things and and sometimes they split hairs in such a fine way that they attack things that's unnecessary and this is one of the things that some people still do within the biblical counseling movement and what i mean by that is that they want to distinguish themselves as purely biblical standing on the sufficiency of scripture and they're trying to identify another group of people that don't stand on the sufficiency of scripture as strongly as they do but they named the name of christ and so they put them into this other camp called christian counseling and so what they mean by a difference between biblical counseling and Christian counseling is that biblical counseling is purer, truer to God's Word, and Christian counseling can be an amalgamated mess. That's what they mean by that. And so Christian counseling is an inferior. If you do Christian counseling, then you are an inferior counselor because uh, you bring in ideas from the culture, uh, from the psychologized culture, or from the academy, uh, those who have degrees in secular psychology and so forth. And so it's an integrated mashup of counseling. That's the thought. I just, again, I, I don't have an intelligent word to respond to that, so I just say it's dumb. It's a straw man. Uh, it's unnecessary, and I wouldn't pay any attention to it. Now, for several reasons, I'll give you two. One, Christian is a good word, and so I'm not going to abandon the word Christian, nor am I going to give it up uh, to or, or to bring in inferior anything into that word Christian. Uh, I think it is unkind. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong-headed. I think it's misguided that we would take a beautiful word, maybe the most beautiful word, because it has Christ in it. We are Christians, and we are Christ followers. And so what we're saying is that as, as Christians, as Christ followers, then those who are part of the, or in that number, they do inferior counseling. And so that's just a that's a messy way of trying to communicate something, and that's why I say it's dumb uh, to do that. And I don't do it, and I'm not going to do it, and I pay no attention to it. And honestly, I just want to rebuke anybody that says that. Uh, it's the lack of intelligence. Uh, it's the lack of depth of reflective thought. 
Uh, it's also uh, has become a cliche with people who haven't given reflective thought to it, and they just latch on to it because it's almost like a bumper sticker within the within some areas of the biblical counseling movement. And quite frankly, I just don't appreciate it. Uh, I love Christian counseling, and when I explain myself uh, to people, sometimes I would use uh, the label Christian counselor. I am a Christian counselor, which honestly is is a more accurate way to describe uh, what I do because that is who I am. And implied in the word Christian is biblical because you can't separate the idea of Christian and biblical. And so if I am a Christian, I'm ontologically a Christian, then what is attached to that or uploaded into that are, are several prop statements that communicate who I am. And one of those things is the infallibility of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, the integrity of God's Word, and so forth and so on. And so in the most technical sense, you can't even take the word Christian counseling and use it in an inferior way. You're the one that's unwise. Uh, You would be the one that's ignorant. Uh, You're the one that would be lacking in reflective thought. And so, and I'm speaking to the universal you here, not to anybody specifically, but if you're tempted to create that dichotomy within Christianity, I would just appeal to you not to do that. And But it is important for you to understand the straw man that has been uh, uh, created, erected. Uh, It's important for you to understand that there are people who use this word, this, this title, Christian counseling, in an ignorant way. And so you do have to ask more questions and you do have to get inside of it because of the ignorance of some people that have created a dichotomy between Christian and biblical. And so the first reason that I don't use that term is because Christian is a beautiful word, and I'm not going to adulterate it uh, and and give it over to uh, those who do inferior uh, counseling. And so that's one reason. The second reason is I'm not, I honestly, I've just, I've never haven't been that impressed with a lot of biblical counselors. Uh, To say that you are a biblical counselor, in my view, uh, that has a lot of baggage in itself. And, And I would say it has as much baggage as being, if you take the label of Christian counselors. I have been quite outspoken about this, and I think we have a huge, I know we have a huge problem within the biblical counseling world because of this contrivance that we've created called certification that gives this blanket check to uh, anybody that has certification, the connotation that they are qualified to do biblical counseling, and then they're turned loose to do biblical counseling, and they end up hurting people when they do inferior counseling. And so just because you use the label of biblical counseling, this is what the person who's asking the question here, I would not want them to fall into that trap, to have a simplified dichotomy between biblical counseling and Christian counseling that says if it's a Christian counselor, it's integrated and inferior, and if it's a biblical counselor, then I'm going to get the right stuff, the good stuff, and it's going to be uh, helpful. That might not be true. 
everybody that calls themselves a biblical counselor is not good at it. And I'm talking about it a formalized biblical, uh, in a form, formalized biblical way. It takes a whole lot more than certification to be a good be a good counselor. And so I would just anybody and I and I don't know the context of this question that was asked. The question was. It was short. What is the difference between Christian counseling and biblical counseling? So I don't know what you're looking for. But if you're looking for a good counselor, a good Christian counselor, uh, there are other things that you need to look for than what they call themselves or what other people call them as far as Christian counselor or biblical. So don't fall into that trap assuming that one is bad and the other is not because that's not how you evaluate if you have a good counselor. Now, I have some links inside these show notes. It's episode 339. The title of it is, What is the Difference Between Christian and Biblical Counseling? And I would encourage you to go through these links. One of them is uh, 12 Characteristics of a Biblical Counselor. Another one is why I do not align myself with Nuthetic or Biblical Counseling. And you have to read that and listen to the podcast. There's a mind map also attached to those show notes. And so this is a serious thing for me. And I don't look at this simplistically that Christian counselors are bad and biblical counselors are good. That is a, a that is a that that is a devastatingly horrendous way uh, to evaluate uh, what you need as far as a counselor is concerned. And I, and I'm not speaking in hyperbole here. I'm not being sensational at all. We have people who come to us all the time on our forums. Somebody is is on there right now as I speak. They've been there for a week now talking about the inferiority of biblical counseling and their biblical counseling experience. We've got to do better. And so if you're looking, if, if, if this person that's asking is looking for a biblical counselor or a Christian to counsel them, uh, well, one, they need to be a Christian counselor, meaning they need to be they need to be a Christian, and they need to be a biblical counselor, meaning they need to be biblical, which you would assume with Christian. And um, but you got to look for more, and so look at these links and show notes in this episode. And if you want to have a conversation about this, uh, please just jump on the forums, and I'll be glad to uh, talk to you about this. The reason. This the reason I'm so intentional and intense about this is because we we hurt people, and that's it. We hurt people. This is what I tell our students. I mean, this is the this is the end of the game. I mean, the end of the game. I mean, I mean, this is the purpose of of all the training. Uh, that, that that at some point you're going to be sitting across from someone and you're going to be caring for their soul, and you've got to be good at what you're doing. Meaning, you have to be called to do what you're, and I'm talking about in a formalized way. I'm not talking about just doing coffee with a friend. Uh, any Christian should be able to do that at some level. But I'm talking about intentional, formalized, biblical counseling where you are 
unpacking, you're diagnosing, you're getting inside the intricacies of complex problems, and you're bringing biblical solutions to them. That is the heart of what Christian counseling is, or biblical counseling. I use those terms interchangeably, but I define those terms. I define them the same. Those, those terms are the same because, again, you can't separate the Bible from Christian. You do that, you're a fool. You can't do that. Uh, Christian is Bible. Bible is Christian, and so they're, they're the same, and I'll use those terms interchangeably. But, if again, if that is the only data point that you have, Christian counselor, biblical counselor, one is integrated, uh, one is second, whatever, and the other is sufficient biblical, so forth. If that is your only criteria for evaluating the quality of the counselor, then you have set yourself up for a huge problem because every biblical counselor in the world, I would say the majority of them who are certified aren't good at doing formalized biblical counseling. You say, Rick, do you have stats on that? No, I don't. No, I don't. I'll be honest with you about this. Subjective. It is subjective. Statistical analysis. Uh, but it's just not impressive to me, and, and, it's based, and it's based on something that is not subjective. We have had loads of people who have come to us who have just been damaged uh, by so-called biblical counselors. And so there's more to doing this work of discipleship than the label uh, that you have that you carry with you. And so do more work to find out the kind of person that is that you want to provide help. And again, you can look at the show notes here to see uh, some of the criteria and the ways that we evaluate. And I would even appeal to you, any of you that want to do some in-depth long-term training that you consider our mastermind program. This is something that I think you, you can sense by this point of the podcast that I'm, I'm just dead serious about, and there's no negotiation. And when you get to the end of our program, uh, we're very honest with you. I mean, you're good at it. You're not good at it. You're kind of good at it. Maybe you should be doing something else, but we will be kind to you. We absolutely will be kind to you. We will not be harsh, but we will be clear because at the end of the day, at the end of the line, uh, there, when it's all said and done, uh, the idea is for you to be sitting in front of somebody, and it's absolutely critical that you have the gifting, the calling, the training, the character to be able to do high-end formalized counseling. And so that's a, that's my answer to the difference between Christian counseling and, and biblical counseling. And again, I, I have no desire to be harsh at all here. Uh, that's not my heart, uh, but this is such an important thing, and I think many of you know that because you've heard the stories or uh, maybe you've talked to the people who have been hurt by biblical counselors, and there have been many people who have been hurt by Christian counselors as well. Um, so anyway, what's the difference? Uh, that's my answer. All right, so I've received another question. Uh, are there any updates on the IABC debacle that happened a couple of years ago. The IEBC, again, is the International Association of Biblical Counselors. I did an entire podcast on this a couple of years ago. I will put that podcast in the show notes. I also did a direct message to our community. I do direct messages daily, every other day. Uh, that's the pace 
uh, to our supporting community. And so they're on our private forums. And I gave a, a long update on IEBC to them that now in our private community, I talk more candidly than I do in these public domain podcasts. And so I, I, I get into a little more detail. I give some uh, backstory and those types of things. And I did that just last week on our private forums to our supporting community. And I told them, I said, I'm not going to say all these things in a public format because that's just not what I am about. I will call attention to things, but there's enough of this kind of stuff going on in the Christian community anyway. And so I'm not interested in being that kind of minister or being that kind of guy where we're name calling and, you know, doing that type of stuff, which sometimes it, a lot of times it can just be toxic and angry. And so there is a balance between communicating what is going on in the family and then doing it the right way. And that's the tension that I, I don't think I've figured out yet. And I struggle with it. Um, but I've seen the abuse of it where people are just downright hostile and nasty about how they communicate about family members. I'm talking about Christians, Christians talking about Christians. And so I don't want to hide anything. That's not the point, Uh, but there is a way to do it. But I talk more plainly on our private supporting community. Again, that's another way that we can honor those who financially commit to us, that we give them a little, little more because they give us, quite frankly, they underwrite the ministry with their financial support. And so here is a brief update, an abbreviated update on IABC. IABC imploded a few years ago. They had a corrupt board is what they had. Two of those board members have been disciplined out of their church. One happened two years ago, which started all of this mess. And then another one happened just a few months ago. And so and they're no longer in the pastorate. Uh, the uh, the president of IABC, and again, this is public knowledge, uh, Ed Bulkley, uh, was disciplined out of his church. He lost his pastorate. Uh, and, and rather than going through church discipline, he left the church. And as far as I know, he has not repented and hasn't been restored to fellowship, as far as I know. And then most recently, another board member was disciplined out of his church as well. His church is vacant right now, and they're getting ready to vote on a new pastor uh, next week, I think. Uh, I believe it's next week they'll be voting on a new pastor, and so this is new news. But the reason I state that about this second disciplinary action is just to communicate to you how corrupt this board was and the kind of people that they had on the board. I'm not saying that everybody on the board was as messed up as these two individuals, but everybody was aware of it, and there there is culpability on everybody's part, and I outlined that uh, two years ago in that podcast, and so you can listen to that if you want to. My stance on IABC right now is I have nothing to do with it, uh, and the reason is is because IABC, and I've made these appeals several several times, I told them, the board, the new board, that they need to come clean about what happened to the organization and what they are doing to rectify the situation and to, and to show that they are above and beyond uh, so so that there can be faith placed back in this organization that they're doing it the right way. Now, let me say, they may have done that, 
but I haven't heard anything about it. And so please understand that. Please hear that well. They may have clearly articulated how corrupt the board was, the whole debacle, how inferior the training was in some areas, uh, the, the number grab, uh, growing numbers, the lack of integrity without doing the due diligence of the investigation of uh, the organization, the training centers. Uh, they did not uh, investigate or do their due diligence as far as seeing if the organizations, the training centers or quality training centers, what kind of work they did. They were just very weak to non-existent accountability measures. And it was just a terrible organization. As far as I know, it's still that way because they have never, to my knowledge, they've never communicated that. Now, I want to use an analogy here. Some of you may remember in 1982 the Tylenol scare. If you don't remember or know about the Tylenol scare, it happened in Chicago when someone somehow, nobody knows who did this. It, it still is an open case, but someone laced Tylenol with cyanide and they ended up killing like seven people maybe uh, one guy died and, and what they did is they put cyanide in the red part of the pill the pill is divided in red and white the capsule and they put cyanide in the red part and put it back into the bottle and someone took the cyanide and died and then a, a brother uh, was mourning like mourning to death he took the cyanide and died and a sister-in-law died and and then there were like four other people who died unrelated to that but there was and it was it was the, uh, the Tylenol scare and we were all terrified of of taking Tylenol because we didn't know what was going on and we still don't know what happened we don't know if it's a disgruntled employee or if someone went into a store and took some Tylenol and laced them and then you know put them back on the shelves. We don't know, but when that went down, uh, Johnson and Johnson, who owns Tylenol, they did a phenomenal job. And even today, some people consider it a model for how to uh, resolve the issue and to overcome and, and to create community trust back in the organization. And so they created a a team uh, to investigate this, and then they 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 stayed. They gave they they were constantly communicating to the public about what happened as they understood it what they were doing to rectify some of the safety measures that they put in and because of what happened back in 1982 i mean that changed how uh peel companies make their bottles and and seal the tops and make them tamper proof and so forth that came from the tylenol scare and they instilled reinstilled public trust because they operated in such an above the board way and they were ashamed and they were just terrified and they were broken like everyone else and they recalled they lost millions of dollars recalling all of the Tylenol from all their shelves I and mean, they just went above board and they had to they did the right thing and that's my point IEBC hasn't done that now, again, they may have made some kind of statement, but it's almost like they have just buried it and swept it under the rug and moved forward, and there's no trust. There's been no trust instilled in, in the public, and they just moved on like it's 
like it never happened. Now, that's my understanding of it. And if a board member from IABC, uh, if they want to do a, a podcast or if they want to talk to me, they're welcome to talk to me. But because there hasn't been a full accounting, a public accounting of what happened, uh, what went wrong, why it went wrong, what they have done about it, how they responded to the old, old board members and the old organization and what they're doing to right the ship. Uh, I stepped away from IABC. I turned in my certification uh, and have had nothing to do with them. I don't promote anything that they do. We have a Facebook page on our website. I mean, I mean on Facebook, a group rather, and I don't allow in, and I had a couple people uh, want to promote some IABC stuff. I said, no, not on this group. We're not going to do it. Christians can be really bad about walking away from stuff and not giving a clear accounting of what happened. And then they can resurface uh, in another place, another town, another time, and go on as though nothing has ever happened. And we can do much better than this. And I use the Tylenol illustration. It would be a wonderful study if you spent time just doing a little bit of research about what they did. Uh, again, some people have called that the model of how to restore a company and restore uh, public trust. And so I know a good bit more about IABC, but again, I've stated a lot of that in a, a podcast already that I have linked here that you're welcome to read and listen to if you wish. If you want to talk about this uh, as well as the difference between Christian counseling and biblical counseling, you're welcome to uh, jump on our forums and discuss it. But both of these questions are very similar. We should put the highest value on doing things the right way when it comes to doing soul care. And whether we are a Christian counseling organization or a Christian counselor, we should be way above board as far as integrity, as far as competence, and those types of things. And so that's the update. Uh, two questions. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.